Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Welcome into the Philly Sports Power Hour with Bill Calarulo on this Monday morning. And it's not a happy Monday morning at all after watching that performance last night by the Philadelphia Eagles against the San Francisco 49ers who have been talking trash on this team for nine months now. And the Philadelphia Eagles come out and perform like that. 42-19, absolutely destroyed by the San Francisco 49ers. And I expect all the Niners trolls to be here in the chat. And you earned it. You earned it. Troll away. Troll away. Because the San Francisco 49ers absolutely dominated the Philadelphia Eagles last night in South Philadelphia, 42-19. And we're going to talk about it all. We're going to break it down. I want to look at that defense. Not going to let the offense off the hook either. And then we'll talk a little bit of positive at the end of the show because it is not over by any means. It is just one game. But this did expose some things that we've had concerns about this season. But let's see who we got here in the chat today. Let's get a little roll call from the Power Hour crew. I see Jim G, Xavier, Thunderbird, Jason A-Team, Eagles fan. Good morning to everybody today. We don't do this often where we have to come on after a Philadelphia Eagles loss. And we certainly don't do it often coming on after an absolute domination of this Philadelphia Eagles team. Haven't seen this before under Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts, but that's what this was. They were absolutely dominated. I see more people checking in. Bridget Tobin, good morning. WCBJJ, good morning. Invincible, good morning. Surprised we don't have any 49ers fans trolling us yet, but it'll come. It will come. But we said on this show last week, And look, let me get this out of the way first. Sometimes here in Philadelphia, we tend to overreact to one game. The Philadelphia Eagles are still 10-2. and They still control their own destiny when it comes to clinching the one seed in the NFC, getting a first-round bye, and getting home field advantage throughout the playoffs. And this was only one game. However, what this one game did was expose some of the issues that we've been talking about for the last few weeks. And if you follow this show, I asked last week on this show, is this defense a championship defense? Everybody wants to talk about Brian Johnson and the offense and the play calling, and we'll get there. 
But I said it on this show last week. The offense isn't my main concern with this team. It was the defense. Is the defense good enough to win a championship for the city of Philadelphia? And unfortunately, looking at last night, the answer is no. This Philadelphia Eagles defense right now, I'm not saying things can't change, not saying that they can't figure it out, but this defense as it stands right now with the personnel they have right now cannot win a championship this season. And we've talked about it before on this show. As great as Howie Roseman is as a general manager, as great as he is at structuring contracts, he continuously ignores the linebacker position. It is his philosophy to devalue the linebacker position. And if you follow me on Instagram, at Legal Hands to the Face, I was posting videos all summer. So I don't want you to think this is just an overreaction to one loss. I was posting videos all summer that I had major concerns about the linebacker position after they let TJ Edwards walk and didn't replace him with anyone that I thought was as good as TJ Edwards. I was okay with them letting Kazir White walk. I thought he had an up-and-down season last year. But I thought we severely underrated TJ Edwards in this town last season. He was a guy who played over 94% of the defensive snaps. He wore the green dot. He called the defenses. He led your team in tackles. He was top seven in the NFL in tackles. And they let him walk, and they tried to replace him with N'Kobe Dean, who had only played 34 career snaps before this season. He's now on his second stint on IR, maybe done for the year. You brought in Nicholas Morrow, who the Chicago Bears just let him walk. Eagles had to cut him in the preseason, put him on the practice squad. He's had some nice games, but you saw last night why Nicholas Morrow was cut why no one picked him up when he was on the Philadelphia Eagles practice squad. He looked lost last night. His tackling was atrocious last night. And Zach Cunningham, who they had to add late in the preseason because Howie Roseman realized how much trouble this linebacker position was in. Well, he was out last night. And we talked about it on the show last week. Zach Cunningham has been your best linebacker this season and that's a scary thought that a guy you had to pick up late in training camp has been your best linebacker this season and when he didn't play last night and you had to roll out Nick Morrow and Christian Ellis you saw what the product was on the field that defense couldn't stop anything last night and it's not all on the linebackers That's where my focus is right now because that's what I thought was the biggest problem last night was the linebacker position. And you saw on the other side how damn good the 49ers linebacking crew is with Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw who got ejected because the whole thing with Big Dom, but we'll talk about that maybe later in the show. But this Philadelphia Eagles defense has been a problem 
all season. And like I said, we tend to overreact as Philadelphia fans. It was only one game. That's what we're going to keep hearing. It was only one game. And although that is true, when you look at the numbers, it has not only been one game with how much this defense has struggled this season. And I know everybody wants to blame the coaches. Always. That's the first thing. Fire the coordinator. It's Sean Desai's fault. I don't blame Sean Desai for what happened last night. The defense and the personnel were simply not good enough. Sean Desai can't force you to make a tackle. When you are missing tackles as badly as the Philadelphia Eagles were last night, that's not on the coaching staff. And I don't want to hear, oh, well, they got to coach fundamentals. This is the NFL. This isn't Pop Warner. You don't have to teach NFL players how to tackle, how to wrap your arms. This was on the personnel last night. And they're not good enough right now. And like I said, we don't want to overreact to just one game. And there are still a lot of positives. But I want to just look at some of these numbers so you understand that this is not just one game. This is not just an overreaction. These were things that we have been talking about. If you follow this show, I have been concerned about some of these numbers on the back end for this defense. If you follow me, you know I love to talk about three things, three keys that I think decide every single game. Turnovers, third down, and red zone. And we'll talk about the offense. But you look at those three things, and they are three areas that this defense has really struggled this season. Turnovers weren't an issue last night. No turnovers on the offensive side of the ball. But also no takeaways on the defensive side of the ball. And you look at this Philadelphia Eagles defense, as important as turnovers are in this league, this Philadelphia Eagles defense ranks 26th in the NFL in takeaways right now. 26 out of 32 teams. And that's the least of their problems. I talk about third down. You have to be able to get off the field on third down. We talked about it in that Buffalo Bills game, how bad this Eagles defense was on third down. Well, it was even worse last night. You look at the final numbers. The San Francisco 49ers were 8 of 11 on third down for close to 73%. But when you take out those first two drives where the 49ers went three and out, they went eight of nine the rest of the way. And the only time that they got stopped on third down, they picked up the first down on fourth and short. So this Philadelphia Eagles defense basically let the 49ers go nine of nine to finish the game on third down. If you can't get off the field on third down on defense, you're going to lose a lot of football games. And the Philadelphia Eagles have gotten away with it. But that's why I asked the question last week, is this defense good enough to win a championship? And right now, the Philadelphia Eagles defense ranks 32 out of 32 NFL teams on third down. 
We have the worst third down defense in the entire NFL. As bad as some of these other teams are, your Philadelphia Eagles are ranked at the bottom of the league in third down defense. As important as third down defense is, and the Eagles rank last. And I talked about three keys, turnovers. They're 26th on defense. Third down, they're 32nd on defense. And then let's take a look at the third key, red zone. Well, the 49ers went four of four last night for 100%. Oh, it's only one game. Well, look at the numbers on the season. Philadelphia Eagles are the 28th ranked defense in the red zone. So if you agree with me that turnovers, third down, and red zone are three extremely important categories when evaluating your defense, well, then this Eagles defense is in trouble because they're 32nd on third down, 28th in the red zone, and 26th in takeaways. Is that a championship defense? Can a defense that's performing that way win a Super Bowl? And I see a lot of people in the chat talking about, well, the offense has to win games, and we'll get there. But when you play these better teams, because look, there is no denying that if the Philadelphia Eagles want to get to another Super Bowl, they're going to have to beat this 49ers team. I don't see another team in the NFC knocking them off in the playoffs. The Eagles will have to go through the San Francisco 49ers. And I don't want to blame Sean Desai. He tried everything last night. If you were watching the game and you were watching the defensive fronts, he tried to run five-man fronts. He tried to run four-man fronts. They tried to run big nickel. They tried to run dime. They tried everything. But when your personnel isn't good enough, there's only so much the coaching staff can do. So could Sean Desai be better? Sure. Everybody could have been better last night. When you get beat 42-19, it's the coaches, it's the game plan, it's the players. But when you look at that defense, there is only so much you can do when you're rolling out the personnel you're rolling out. No denying the Philadelphia Eagles defensive line is very good. You go up and down that D-line, they have a lot of good players. Hassan Reddick, Josh Sweat, Fletcher Cox, Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis, Milton Williams. Those guys are fine. But when you have a linebacking crew and a safety crew and two corners playing the way they're playing, it doesn't matter what the defensive line does. And I know we are built to try to put pressure on the quarterback and try to win games with your defensive front. But when your linebackers and your secondary is playing as badly as they are playing, it doesn't matter. You can't get to the quarterback on every single play. And the worst part was stopping the run. This is a Philadelphia Eagles defense that we love to talk about as being great against the run. They were number one against the run. When you look at the last three games, they haven't been very good against the run. And if they can't stop the run, forget it. Because once teams are able to establish a running game against this defense, who's already struggling against the pass, you're going to see what you saw last night. Six straight touchdowns. Six straight touchdowns. 
I saw Ruben Frank put out a stat last night. That hasn't happened to the Philadelphia Eagles since 1966. What happened last night. But you look at this defense. They now rank 23rd in the NFL in total yards per game. They are 30th in passing yards against. 30th out of 32. This is becoming a common theme. I'm giving you guys stats, and the Philadelphia Eagles are in the bottom of almost every single category. Now, the one category that they still still sit in the top five is rushing defense. They're number five. And that's because you look at the first nine games, teams were only averaging about 60 yards a game against them on the ground. But you look at the last three games, teams are averaging a buck 62 against that rushing defense. The Chiefs, the Bills, and now the 49ers. And I know the excuse is the Bills was a lot of Josh Allen. It was. Josh Allen scrambled a lot against that defense last week. But even if you remove that game, the Eagles defense let Pacheco run all over them. And they let this San Francisco 49ers offense do whatever they wanted to do last night. You look at the running game last night. Non-quarterbacks. So I took Brock Purdy and Sam Darnold, who kneeled down on the last play of the game, out of the equation. Philadelphia Eagles let the running backs for the Niners average 5.5 yards per carry for 138 yards rushing. And this is why I say I don't blame Sean Desai, because here's what happened last night. To stop the run with the linebacking crew that you have on this team, the Philadelphia Eagles have to be in a five-man front. They cannot come out in a four-man front and stop the run with those linebackers, because when you are in a four-man front, the linebackers now have multiple gaps that they have to worry about in the running game. It also allows the offensive line to get to the second level, and those linebackers have to shed the blocks to make the tackle. They cannot do that in a four-man front, and that's been a problem all season. So what does Sean Desai do as the defensive coordinator in that situation? Well, on running plays, he comes out in a five-man front. It makes it a lot easier on the linebackers. They now only have a single gap to worry about, And there are more down linemen to take on the offensive line to prevent the blockers from getting to the second level. It allows the linebackers to hopefully get a clear read and a clear shot at the running back. Well, there's two problems when they come out in a five-man front. Number one, the linebackers simply aren't good enough to make the play even when the defensive line is doing their job and taking on the blockers. They're just not good enough. You saw it last night. They couldn't make the tackles. They were going to the wrong gaps, even though they only have one gap responsibility. They were confused by the play action and the motion. But there's a bigger problem. Good offenses. And Kyle Shanahan, as much as I got on him last week, is a good offensive mind. When they see that the Philadelphia Eagles are in a five-man front, especially when they are in a 5-2. So they have five down linemen and two linebackers. Well, that means there's only four defensive backs on the field. And most of the time, that means that your corners are now manned up on the wide receivers. So what good offensive minds are going to do, they're going to see that the Philadelphia Eagles have come out in a five-man front to stop the run. 
they're going to throw the football. And now we need to rely on our all-pro James Bradbury, our pro bowler, big play slay, to be able to lock up these receivers one-on-one. And they haven't done it this year. They just have not done what we needed them to do on that back end. When your team is built the way the Philadelphia Eagles defense is built, we're built along the D-line, and we put a lot of money into our corners. If your corners aren't playing well, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. And that's what's happening. Look at these numbers, man. Debo Samuel, four of four. Four targets. He had four catches, 116 yards. He averaged 29 yards a catch. And they're not throwing the ball down the field. They were just getting the ball to him in space. And you knew Darius Slay, James Bradbury, these linebackers, these safeties, they couldn't even tackle him. This is a guy who called James Bradbury trash. This is a guy who's been talking smack for nine months. If I'm on that team, I can't wait to get an opportunity to hit Debo Samuel. And you look at this Philadelphia Eagles defense, they looked like they were afraid to hit Debo Samuel. And you got to give Debo credit, man. He talked to trash, and he backed it up. Three touchdowns in that game. Two in the air, one on the ground. He wanted it more. You got to give Debo credit. But I don't blame Sean Desai, because when your personnel is not playing well enough, it doesn't matter what you do. And I hear everybody, the quickest thing, oh, you got to blitz. You got to blitz. Well, you have to understand that when you blitz, that is one less person in coverage. And if you don't get to the quarterback, which happened a couple times last night, where the 49ers are good enough, their backs are good enough to pick up the blitz, now you have even less people in coverage. And when your secondary is playing the way the Philadelphia Eagles secondary is playing, they're going to just pick you apart. And you saw it last night. They just don't have the personnel right now. Slay needs to be better. James Bradbury needs to be better. And then you go to that safety position. And I talked about it to start the show, about how good Howie Roseman has been. He ignored the linebacker position. And he ignored the safety position for too long and then tried to fix it by making a trade with the Tennessee Titans and bringing in Kevin Byard. The problem is, Byard is not the guy he was when he was an All-Pro. He was better than what we had back there. But he's not the guy he was when he was an All-Pro. And they let both their starters walk from last year. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, I understood letting him walk. They thought he wanted a lot more money. He went and tested the market. Turned out, at that point, the Eagles already had invested their money elsewhere. I get it. But you also let Marcus Epps walk. And just like TJ Edwards, Marcus Epps may not have been a pro bowler or an all-pro, but this was a guy who gave you a lot of good reps last week. Excuse me, last season. A lot of good snaps. Was on the field for almost every defensive snap last year. Because I know what the argument is. Oh, you can't have good players at every position. Philadelphia Eagles are paying a wide receiver $100 million in A.J. Brown. They're paying Jalen Hurts a lot of money. 
They pay their D-line a lot of money. You can't have stars at every position. That is true. But you had an opportunity to bring back guys like TJ Edwards and Marcus Epps who didn't get a ton of money in free agency. You could have brought those guys back and been in a lot better position than what we are right now. And again, I don't want to overreact to just one game, and that's why I'm giving you stats from the whole season. Because it wasn't just this game where this defense has struggled in those extremely important areas. Third down, red zone, takeaways. They've been dominated in the passing game. And now they're starting to get dominated in the running game. And I know the end goal is to be the one seed. And the Eagles still control their destiny to be the one seed, get that first round by, and host the NFC Championship game. But I said it last night to Mike Missanelli right here on the Jacob Sports postgame show. If this defense plays the way it played last night, it doesn't matter if that NFC Championship game is in Philadelphia or Santa Clara, California. They are not going to beat the San Francisco 49ers. And we're going to get to the offense shortly, but I'm sticking with the defense for a second. Because unfortunately now, because you've ignored the linebacker position all offseason, we're in a tough spot where we may now need to overpay a guy that I don't know what he has left in Shaq Leonard. Shaq Leonard was in town last week. We all know. We talked about it last week on the show. Philadelphia Eagles are probably going to have to overpay Shaq Leonard, and we don't know what he has left after those injuries. Because if he was still the guy that made four straight all-pro teams, would the Indianapolis Colts just cut him, still owing him the $6 million for the season? So now we have to hope and pray that maybe Shaq Leonard could come in here and be our savior. And I just don't know what the guy has left in the tank. Because why would the Colts, who are in a playoff run right now, they won an overtime game with Gardner Minshew. Minshew mania is running wild in Indianapolis. Why would they just let a guy like Shaq Leonard walk when they're still obligated to pay him? They didn't trade him. They didn't get any draft capital back for him. They didn't save any money by cutting him. They just cut him, and they still have to pay him. Why? And if he is the savior for this linebacker position, I'm really nervous. And like I said, guys, I don't want to overreact. It is just one game. This is still a very good football team. A very good football team. And we'll get to the offense after the break. But these are not problems that just showed up in one game last night. And I get it. They were on a shorter rest. I'm not making excuses. They got their asses kicked last night. But I know some of the talk is, well, they were on a shorter rest. They played three games in 13 days or whatever it was. This was a tough stretch. This was the toughest part of the schedule. They had an emotional win, two emotional wins in a row. They were due for a letdown, letdown game. I get all of that. And if they would have lost a close battle to the San Francisco 49ers, we could have used those excuses. But you saw your team get absolutely dominated last night. And you saw the 49ers able to take advantage of all of the things that this defense has struggled with all season long. 
And I just don't like that these are problems that we all saw coming. We were talking about it all offseason. Why are you going into this season putting all of your linebacker hopes on a guy that only played 34 snaps in the Kobe Dean? And I did a lot of videos on that, and I had a lot of people. You'll see. You'll see. Dean's going to be a beast. Dean's going to be an all-pro player. And I said it. I hope you're right. I'm not saying that he's not. But no one knew what N'Kobe Dean was going to be able to do this season. You had no idea. We never saw him play last year. So how we could just make the assumption that this guy was going to be an all-pro linebacker. That's on Howie Roseman. For not having any plan B for the linebacker position. And you saw the 49ers completely able to take advantage of it last night. And it's not on Sean Desai. Could he have been better? Yes. But this was about personnel last night. This was about execution last night. This was about tackling. This was about our corners not being the same guys they were last season. It's only one game. They need to get it together. But I'm not sure that this defense is good enough. And when we get back, I want to go to the other side of the ball and talk about this offense and talk about some of the play calling and some of the decisions in that game. But like I said last week on the show, I'm less concerned about this offense. My concerns lie with that defense. But guys, go ahead, hit that like button, hit that share button. We'll be back right after the break. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to most to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into the kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. 
Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. What's up, everybody? Welcome back in. To the Philly Sports Power Hour on this tough Monday in Philadelphia. And I'm trying, guys. I'm trying not to overreact to one loss. It is only one loss. It is only one game. The Eagles are still a very good football team. They are still 10-2. and two. They still control their destiny to the number one seed. It's just very frustrating to sit up here and see all of the things that we've talked about with this defense get absolutely exploited last night against the 49ers in your home field. And this wasn't a close game. This wasn't something that we could just chalk up and say, hey, look, it was fatigue. It was too many emotional wins in a row. That was an old-fashioned ass-kicking last night. They were dominated on both sides of the football. And I'm going to switch to the offense in a second, but just looking at this defense, is I know that Jonathan Gannon was a polarizing figure in this town. A lot of people didn't like Jonathan Gannon. And I had my problems with Gannon, and I had my problems with his philosophies. But you look at the final numbers from that 2022 defense, and they were not less then 16th in any defensive category. They were number two in yards against, number seven in points against, number one in passing yards against. The lowest they were was 16th, and that was in rushing defense. 14th on third down, 12th in the red zone, number one in sacks, number four in takeaways. And you look at this Eagles defense right now, and this is why I said it's not just one game, and you look at where they ranked. They are in the bottom 23, excuse me, 23rd or less in one, two, three, four, five, six categories. 23rd in yards against, 30th in passing against, 24th in points against, 32nd in third down defense, 28th in red zone defense, 26th in takeaways. That's why I'm frustrated. It's not just one game. And in the beginning of the season, I kept chalking up the defensive struggles to the fact that they had been 
battling injuries all season. The secondary was a different secondary every single week. Blankenship was hurt. Then you had Bradbury hurt a game. Slay was hurt a game. Maddox got hurt. Then Roby was brought in to save you at the slot corner position. Then he was hurt. And I know Zach Cunningham wasn't there last night at linebacker. But unfortunately, you look at this defense, and even if they bring in Shaq Leonard, we have to tame our expectations here about what this guy has left. The back seven of this defense. has really struggled this year. And I'm just not sure they're going to be good enough, no matter what the coaching staff does, to win a championship. And really, the formula to win is what the Philadelphia Eagles did on those first two drives, where the 49ers went three and out. And if you were watching the game, you saw it. The defensive line was getting pressure. But it's almost impossible to do that for 60 minutes, you're not going to be able to just win every single play on the defensive line, no matter how good the D-line is. You need linebackers and safeties and corners that can make plays, that can cover, that can tackle people in space. So they better get it together, and they better get it together quick on that defensive side of the ball. But I've ranted enough about the defense. Let's jump over to the offensive side of the ball. And I'm not as concerned about the offense. I said it last week on this show. They are talented enough on offense that you know they're going to put up points. That's where a majority of this payroll is, on the offensive side of the ball. Did they struggle last night? Yes. They needed to be better as well. And I just talked about it on the defense, saying, hey, what are the three most important keys? Turnovers. Third down and red zone. Well, you look at this Philadelphia Eagles offense, and they are normally very good in two of those areas, third down and red zone. Coming into the game, they were the number three third down offense. They were the number five red zone offense. You saw they put the stat up last night. They had converted 12 straight red zone opportunities. We talked about it last week on the show, how good that red zone offense has gotten. And they were 18th in turnovers, need to get better in turnovers. But that wasn't the problem last night. Turnovers weren't the problem. But those two opening drives where the Philadelphia Eagles were unable to convert in the red zone were devastating for this football game. We talked about it on the pregame with Seth Joyner here on Jacob Sports about how this 49ers team is a different team and Brock Purdy is a different quarterback when they're playing from behind. And this offense had an opportunity to completely change the whole feel of that football game if they converted in the red zone on those two opportunities. Instead of it being a 6-0 game, it could have very easily been a 14-0 game. Completely different. Now that would have allowed your defense to do what they do best which is try to create pressure on Brock Purdy like they did in those first two drives. It would have been very difficult for that 49ers offense to start to establish the run the way they did. But once it was only a six-point game, 
and then the 49ers were able to establish the run, they now could have done anything they wanted to do against the Eagles' defense. Because once you have the play action and all that misdirection they have going with our linebacking crew and our safeties and our corners, it was over. But I don't want to go back to the defense. I talked enough about the defense. Let's look at this offense. And even though I said I'm not as worried about the offense as I am about the defense, there are concerns with this offense. There are concerns with the offensive game plan week after week after week. The offense is good enough that they've been able to overcome some of those early struggles. But I just don't understand how you have a guy on your team as talented as DeAndre Swift is. And as an offensive coordinator and a head coach who's an offensive coach that you could just go quarters and halves and games ignoring one of your best playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. And everybody in the chat knows who I'm talking about. DeAndre Swift. Why this team continues to ignore a playmaker on the offensive side of the football for just stretches at a time. In the first half yesterday, they gave DeAndre Swift four carries. Four carries in the first half. Now, in the second half, I know these numbers are skewed a little bit because the Eagles were down so much, but they only gave him two carries last night in the second half. So that is six carries for one of your best offensive weapons in DeAndre Swift. And what I don't understand with the offensive game plan is I get it. This is a passing league. This is a passing team. You had some success early on throwing the football on those first two drives. But we've talked about it every single week. Establish the run. Even if the run isn't working, it's working. I said it on the pregame show last night. Even if you're not picking up five yards a clip in the running game, by continuing to give the ball to your running backs, it's working. Because now you've forced the defense to have to worry about the run. Those linebackers now have to stop for just a split second because, hey, maybe this is a running play. But when you drop back 51 times and only give your running backs nine carries, makes things a lot easier on a defense. A lot easier. The D-line doesn't have to worry about the run. Your linebackers don't have to worry about the run. Your corners and your safeties aren't worried about the run. Why they continue to ignore one of the best playmakers on this team, I just don't understand it. And then when they get down to the red zone, Jalen Hurts, if you follow the show, you know how much of a fan I am of Jalen Hurts. Still think he's the MVP of this league. Still think that if the Philadelphia Eagles do win a Super Bowl this year, it will be because of Jalen Hurts. He can't take a sack like that sack he took in the red zone early in the game. you got to get rid of the football. If the play's not there, get outside the pocket, throw the ball away. 
you cannot take that type of sack in that moment. Because once he took that sack, you knew the Philadelphia Eagles were going to have to settle for a field goal. And that turned out to be devastating for this Eagles team. They needed to go up 14-0. We said it all week. They needed to come out to an early lead. That was going to be key. Getting the early lead in this football game would be key. But 6-0 isn't going to cut it. You had to go up 14-0. You had to convert in the red zone. And it's something they've been so good at. But there's one major issue in addition to the fact that they ignored DeAndre Swift for long periods of time and refused to commit to the running game. But there was one issue that I really saw last night that they need to fix. And that was this passing attack against a zone defense. Now, I got to go back and watch the All-22 to see what was going on down the field. But what it looked like last night is how many times did Jalen Hurts drop back and immediately have to get off of his spot, and not because there was pressure. The offensive line did a really good job last night of blocking a really good 49ers defensive line. We went over it last week with Hargrave and Chase Young and Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead. These guys are really, really good. They weren't putting a lot of pressure on Jalen Hurts last night. What the problem was is whatever the route schemes were in the passing game were not working against a zone defense. So every time Jalen Hurts dropped back, the reason why he would drop back and then have to leave his spot in the pocket was because nobody was open. The routes they were running were not beating a zone defense. So the passing game just wasn't working. Look, you look at the final numbers. Sure, Jalen threw for almost 300 yards. Most of those yards were on the first two drives, and then when the Niners turned into a prevent defense towards the end of the game. But in the middle of the game, when it mattered, they could not beat the zone defense. And you better figure out how to develop a passing scheme that can beat a zone defense. Because that's the reason why Jalen Hurts struggled so much last night. It wasn't the pressure. The defensive line was not beating the offensive line. The O-line did a nice job last night in protecting Jalen. Those were coverage sacks. And you know how good this wide receiver crew is. So A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, they can get open. The problem was... They weren't getting man-to-man coverage. They were trying to beat a zone. And when the route concepts and the passing scheme is not designed to beat the zone, it's not going to work. And that's why they struggled so much last, last night. But, like I said, guys, I promised you that I would try to be positive by the end of the show. So I want to be a little bit positive here because this is only one game. And we knew coming into the season, even though I've talked about my concerns with this defense, we knew the formula for this Eagles team to win was going to be on the offensive side of the ball. They have so many playmakers on offense that you've seen it. They can win every single game. 
And can they beat the San Francisco 49ers? I'm still confident that there will be a rematch in the NFC Championship game. And hopefully by then, hopefully, Slay and Bradbury are playing better. Byard and Blankenship are playing better. And hopefully, we have linebackers that know how to stop the run, that know how to tackle, and don't get completely taken advantage of in the passing game. Is that Shaq Leonard and Zach Cunningham? I hope so. I hope Shaq Leonard's got a lot left in the tank and chooses to sign here. We'll probably hear by the end of the day, I would think. I hope Zach Cunningham's able to play. And I really hope that Zach Cunningham's able to play this week because this, I said before the 49ers game, I said it on the pregame show here on Jacob, and I said it last week right here on the Philly Sports Power Hour, that as much as I wanted to see the Philadelphia Eagles win the game against the 49ers, it was nowhere near a must win for this Eagles team. They did not need to win that football game. They had done a nice job of beating the Bills, beating the Chiefs, beating the Cowboys, beating the Dolphins, that they set themselves up where they were okay to lose a game. And I was okay that they lost to the 49ers. I wasn't okay with how they lost to the 49ers, and that's why I've been going off about this defense for 40 minutes. But now as we sit here today, and I try to be positive, the Eagles are still in a good spot. They still control their own destiny to that number one seed. But as much as that 49ers game was not a must win, this week on Sunday night has now come very close to a must win for this Philadelphia Eagles team. Because you look at the NFC, and a couple weeks ago we were talking about how there were four other teams vying for that top spot with the Eagles. Well, now it's down to three. The Seahawks, after losing two straight, they're out of the mix for the number one seed. But you have the Eagles at 10-2. and two. Then you have three teams right on their heels. The San Francisco 49ers at 9-3. and three. The Detroit Lions at 9-3. and three. And them boys, the Dallas Cowboys at 9-3. and three. And the concern with the Dallas Cowboys is if they catch you, the Eagles drop not only from a one seed, they drop all the way down to a five seed at best. You're on the road wild card weekend if the Cowboys check catch you. So this game is very close to a must win on Sunday night. And as angry as I am right now about how last night went, you really can't ask for much more as a Philadelphia Eagles fan because we love Cowboys Week. Cowboys Week is always great. The Dallas sucks chance. How much we love getting up for those types of games, but they're so much better when the games mean something. And there was a time period a few years ago for a while where those games really didn't mean anything. Well, this game means a lot because the Philadelphia Eagles need to win on Sunday night. And they got to go down to Dallas and do it. 
which won't be easy. But they still control their own destiny. And you look at the remaining schedules for these teams. Detroit Lions haven't looked great over the last couple of weeks. They almost blew a lead to the New Orleans Saints. They're in Chicago this week. Then they have Denver, who was playing good ball, won five in a row. They lose to the Houston Texans this weekend. Then they're in Minnesota, in Dallas, and then home against Minnesota. I think they'll lose a game in there. Okay, so now they have four losses, let's say. You look at this 49ers team. Are they going to lose a game the rest of the way? They're home against Seattle this week. They should win that game. It's a division game, so you never know, but they should win that game. Then they're at Arizona. You'd expect them to win that game. Their toughest matchup is a home game against the Baltimore Ravens in three weeks. But then other than that, they're at Washington, should be a win. And then home against the Rams, which should be a win. But again, division matchup, Rams always play them tough. But just like I say, the Lions are probably going to have four losses, finish the season 13-4. and The Niners, at worst, I think, finish the season at 13-4. and And then you look at these Cowboys, they have the hardest remaining schedule. They got Philly this weekend. Then they're at Buffalo, at Miami, home against Detroit, and then at Washington. So this Philadelphia Eagles team could go a long way to at least securing the NFC East. If they win on Sunday in Dallas, Philadelphia Eagles should at worst at that point be a number two seed. They should lock up the NFC East if they're able to knock off the Cowboys this week with the way the remaining schedule looks for the Eagles. Still won't guarantee a one seed, but I think they need to win this game on Sunday to give themselves a shot at that one seed when you look at the 49ers and the Lions' remaining schedule, and now you no longer have a tiebreaker with the Niners. Because the Niners beat you head up, if your records are tied at the end of the season, those 49ers get the bye. 49ers get home field advantage. So it's a big week. It's an exciting week. It is Cowboys week, and it is as close to a must win as the Eagles have had all season long, and we got to love it. This is why we are fans. This is why we watch this sport. It's why the NFL is the best thing going, man. But hopefully the Philadelphia Eagles are able to come out with a chip on their shoulder on Sunday night on defense. and not play the way they did against the Niners, not miss tackles the way they did against the 49ers. But I pray and hope that Zach Cunningham is healthy for this game. And I pray and hope that if the Philadelphia Eagles do bring in Shaq Leonard, that he's an upgrade from Morrow and Christian Ellis. But guys, if you want more Philadelphia Eagles talk, tonight, 6.30, I have my legal hands to the face show right here live on the Jacob Sports Network. And we are going to be joined tonight by my man, Seth Joyner. We'll be joining the legal hands to the face show tonight at 630. So be sure to check it out. It'll be right here on the Jacob Sports Network. We'll go 90 minutes talking Philadelphia Eagles 
We'll take a look at that Niners game again. I'll get Seth's opinion on it, and then we'll look forward to this Dallas Cowboys game. So be sure, 6.30 right here, Jacob Sports, the legal hands of the face show. And guys, if you're not already following me on Instagram, Check me out at Legal Hands to the Face. I post multiple videos a day, all Philadelphia Eagles content. We'll be posting more videos today as well about this game. And check me out on Twitter as well, at Bill Calarulo. And I've said this before, guys. Send me some DMs, engage, comment. Let me know things you want to talk about on the show. Love the engagement. Love hearing from all of you guys. Really appreciate my Power Hour crew. And look. I wasn't in the chat as much as I usually am because I was on a rant, but I love the engagement. I love the commenting. And all the 49ers trolls who are here, unlike what you guys did for nine months, making excuses for the loss, that's not what we're going to do here in Philadelphia. You guys kicked our ass last night. And you deserve to troll as much as you want to troll because the San Francisco 49ers were the better team last night. They dominated both sides of the football. So. Troll away, Niners fans. But just know that hopefully there's a rematch coming in less than two months. But guys, like we end every show, a little today in sports history. And those of you guys who follow the Power Hour know I'm a little bit of a hockey fan. We don't talk much hockey on the show. But I am a hockey fan. So today in sports history, for any hockey fans out there, December 4th, 1909, the oldest NHL franchise was established. The Montreal Canadiens, the Club de Hockey Canadien, was established today in 1909. And the Montreal Canadiens are still around. Really historic franchise if you're a hockey fan, that Canadiens jersey. So, but guys, I appreciate all of you. Go ahead, hit that like button, hit that share button. Follow me on Instagram at Legal Hands to the Face, on Twitter at Bill Calarulo, and be sure to be back here tonight, 6.30. Seth Joyner will be joining the Legal Hands to the Face show. Hope to see everybody there. Have a great day, everybody. And as always, go Birds. Go for the pulls and the pools. Go for the ooze and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.